Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Please be seated. By the blood of Christ, you have been rescued from sin's rainbow. June has been labeled LGBTQ Pride Month. The rainbow is on full display as a symbol of unrepentant sin. It is easy to say that we dwell in the midst of a sinful people. And so let's continue our sermon series for this month with our Old Testament reading. What does God's prophet say in Isaiah 6.5? Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Yes, we dwell in the midst of a people who advocate for sin, who fly a rainbow flag to encourage their neighbors to be proud of sin. This is true. They have unclean lips that speak the content of unclean hearts. They promote abomination after abomination and are proud to do so. Want others, want us to join in. But in this pericope, here in Isaiah, the focus is not on all the people with whom Isaiah dwells. The people simply add context to the confession of his faith. What does he say? Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Why are his lips unclean? Because he's a sinner. He is a sinner among sinners. Unclean lips reveal the thoughts of unclean hearts. Romans 10.10 For with the heart one believes and is justified, but, and with the mouth, with the lips, one confesses and is saved. Jesus teaches that the converse of this, the flip side of this, is also true in Matthew 15.18-20. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. Sin is what we call this. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, Jesus says. These sins. Isaiah's lips are unclean because his heart is unclean. He confesses his need to be rescued. He's lost in his sin. The people in whose midst he dwells speak to the severity of his need. He is so utterly, profoundly lost. He desperately needs to be rescued. His lips his lips need to be cleansed. But how can this happen? How can he be rescued when everywhere he looks, all he sees are more people in the same predicament that he's in? A sinner looks out for salvation, but all he sees are more sinners. Who is to rescue him? How can a sinner rescue a sinner? Isaiah says, my unclean lips are my problem. 
There's ownership of the sin, my sin, coming from my heart, across my lips, mine is what's in need of rescue, me. He says, I've surveyed the land, I'm looking around, and everybody else is in the exact same boat I'm in. Maybe their sins differ. Maybe the reason why their lips are unclean differs. Maybe the darkness of their heart is a different type of darkness, but it's still as black as his. And the end result is, Lord, you have to rescue me. Because nobody around me can get it done, and I know I can't. Paul wrote powerful words that say the same thing in Romans 7, 24 and 25. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the answer, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is my answer to that problem. He is my deliverer. He is my redeemer, my justifier, my rescuer. Jesus is the one who rescued you, you, from sin's rainbow. He is the one who rescues all of us from the multitude of sins that we commit. The Isaiah text reveals one of the many dangers of Satan's current battle plan in his war against Christians. Just one of the dangers, there's many. He focuses our attention not on our own sin, but on the sins of others. You thought about that before? We've got a whole month where the Christians are distracted. How can we not be distracted? How can we not see the sins of others during June? They're literally paraded in front of us. Flags are literally flown to capture our attention and make us see sin and be proud of it. More sin. Satan uses this tactic of distraction with perfect proficiency. He's a master of it. He distracts you with other people's sins and then you forget about your own unclean lips. We're too busy with the unclean people around us, among whom we dwell with. We forget to repent, to own our own sins. What are your sins? What are you doing? How are you living? What's your heart's condition right now that has you at odds with God? What sins are you committing that you've been forgetting about Especially this last week, as you've been like, look at all that going on. No, bud. Look at all that going on. That's where our focus needs to be, first and foremost. So we're not falling for Satan's ruse here at St. Mark's. No. Like Isaiah, we recognize that we dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Sure, I see it. Yes, it's there. And that like us, they need to be rescued from sin. Like Isaiah, when we reflect on the people with whom we dwell, we're understanding our context. We're understanding our neighbors. It isn't to focus on their sin, but on how desperate I am to be rescued from my sin 
none of you can help me with my problem unless you help me with Christ. Bring Jesus to me, and now we can go somewhere. But on your own, we're all lost because we're all in the same predicament. Like Isaiah, we are surrounded by sinners and we ourselves are the chief sinner, to use Paul's language. And so everything we see during quote-unquote Pride Month reminds us that our help can only come from outside of us. Outside of my heart and outside of this entire thing called humanity. It has to come from God. And so this is why God takes on flesh and dwells with us. The only sinless man dwelling among sinners. You thought about that? Jesus is the only one who is not a sinner among sinners. Jesus went to the cross. He justified you before your Father in heaven. He made you righteous through his blood. And that's what it means to be rescued from sin's rainbow. It's to be rescued by the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the only sinless man. The only one who can't say, I'm a sinner among sinners. He died that our sin would be atoned for. Jesus has atoned for all of your sins. Repent. Stop doing them. Confess them with your lips and live in that forgiveness. And say to the devil, we see you, guy. I see you right there. Thanks for showing me the sins of others because now I see you. You meant it as a distraction to keep me from looking at my own sin, but God's word is far more powerful than you. So thanks for pointing out where I can shine the light of Christ to help someone else get rescued from sin's rainbow. Thanks for waving that flag in my face and announcing your presence. Because I see through your plan. You're not that smart guy. I got Christ with me. I'm not distracted by all that's going on. Not only will I continue to confess my sins and even more so now, trusting that I've been rescued by the right person. But now by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, equipped with him, I'm gonna do everything I can to show the light of Christ to them too and drive you away. You see, the Lord cleansed Isaiah's lips by touching them with a hot coal from the altar. For you and me, and for every repentant sinner out there who believes in Jesus, everyone who wants to own their sin, confront it head on, and stop doing it, believing that Jesus is the better way, our Lord cleans us, not with a burning coal, but with water and the Spirit, as Jesus taught Nicodemus. And as those who've been washed clean, there are only, there are only two cleansing clean. Cleansing, that's the word, cleansing agents in the world, really. Water and fire, right? Now we add soap, we add things to it to make it better, but people would purify things with fire, like the needle before you dig out a splinter and you light it on fire, or with water, 
Isaiah got the first, or he got the, the coal, the burning fire that cleansed, cleansed his lips. We get water. Thanks be to God. Right? How would you, you like that? The, the pews would be empty, probably. The baptismal rite is, uh, here, open your mouth. Yeah, that's not going to work out. The altar also is part of this for us, in that something does touch our lips. The body and blood of Christ. Not a hot burning coal, but the bread and wine that contain the body and blood of a person of the Trinity. How much cleaner do you want to be? That's amazing. And as you receive that onto your lips, it does affect your heart. This is why we don't commune people who don't understand this. This is why we don't commune people who are living in unrepentant sin. Because they are saying, cleanse me, but yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to keep living in sin. I'm going to keep doing the thing. It's to make a mockery of God. It's to blaspheme God. And we take it more seriously than that. Because God takes it more seriously than that. But more importantly, or not more importantly, but for today's focus, I don't want us to forget, why do we do these things beyond this? I mean, this, these, these things are amazing, and we shouldn't ever lose sight of them, but why else is the right way to say it? Why else does baptism happen, the Eucharist happen? Why do we have these things? Because, like Isaiah, we are sinners among sinners. We are in need of forgiveness. After Isaiah's lips were cleaned, he was sent by God. Our text for today didn't get us that far in the story. But he was sent by God to proclaim God's word, his holy word. And that's why for Isaiah, it was the cleansing of his lips, because he was going to be a speaker of God's holiness. He was sent to proclaim that word. This is one of the many blessings of the sacraments, one of the many blessings of Christ's atonement. Now, there are many, many of them, but one of them is that you are enlisted into God's army through these wonderful blessings, just as Isaiah was. You, too, become speakers of truth. And every time the Lord's body touches your lips, think of that as you being cleansed yet again to go back out and to speak God's holy word to your neighbors. Not as one who's pontificating or holier than thou or self-righteous or any of that worldly you know, mockery and scoffing, criticism of what we're doing, but saying, hey, I don't want to see you go to hell. And I notice you have a flag hanging on your porch that speaks toward unrepentant sin. For the, for the Junes example, right? But how about another one? How about, I notice that you keep doing fill in the blank. It doesn't have to be LGBTQ related. And, and did you know that by doing that, you're living a hostile life toward God? He wants you to be reconciled. He wants peace like we preached last week, not war. He wants you to be made clean. He doesn't want you to live in uncleanliness. He wants to rescue you. He doesn't want to leave you out there to drown. Maybe they're not even aware that's a sin. That could very well be the case in today's culture. Many people, generation now, have been raised, many of them, apart from God's word. They don't, don't know. They have a stereotype, a straw man that they attack. It has nothing to do with what we are, who we are. 
And so in closing, I want to point out how baptism and the Lord's Supper and the preaching of the Word are part of this equipping you to go forward to help rescue other people from sin's rainbow. And I want to use David's words in Psalm 51 to do it. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Notice he's focusing on himself here, first and foremost. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression. I see the log in my eye, to use it, the, the story that Jesus tells. And my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Look at the ownership of this. Look at the, the confession of the reality. There's no delusion here. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. And here is this wonderful refrain. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. All of that was about David. That's what we say for us. Do all of this for us. But this last verse I want to leave you with, verse 13, takes what we get from the Lord and it applies it to our neighbor. Then, he says, I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. So there is a purpose that we don't often think about in baptism, preaching, Lord's Supper, coming to church. We get all of our sins washed away, yes. We also get to take that cleansing that we've received and carry it out to our neighbor. I will teach transgressors your ways. I will literally teach people who hate you. I will teach them your ways and they will return. There are flags everywhere you look. There are transgressors who need to be taught the ways of the Lord. And there are many more who aren't waving flags. Friends and family, co-workers, classmates, sinning in completely different ways, unpoliticized ways, who need to be returned to God. Our work is cut out for us. And so, this month especially, as we see so much blatant evidence of it, let us be reminded that our work is cut out for us. Let us be reminded that our Lord has chosen to use His people to proclaim His Word to those who need rescued. That He has touched your lips and your heart with His Word and His sacraments. By the blood of Christ, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You have been rescued from sin's rainbow. Amen.
Mm-hmm.